1: We do a lot of imagining here at Fallout Lorecast, thinking about how things could potentially have been, or what you would do in a certain situation. Today's show, we're going to be discussing the Enclave, one of the most sinister organizations in the Wasteland. And they, get a, they get a pretty bad rap. They tried to annihilate the population of the world a few times throughout the series. And they're the typical bad guys. Although many factions have their more positive and more negative sides to them. So let's do this. Let's get in the mindset of somebody in the enclave. Now, one of the things that marks the, the wealthy, the powerful, the connected is how well connected they are. Because when you are wealthy and powerful or famous... Lots of people want to know you. Lots of people believe that you have the ability to change their situation. And so they want to latch on to you and they hope to get some of that that fame, some of that wealth, some of that connection from you. Wealthy and powerful people are some of the most connected people on the planet. They can get a hold of anybody they want to because everybody would be interested in a minute of their time. Now, put yourself in the situation where you are part of the U.S. government, and you are the president, or you are a congress member, and you realize that the situation that the world is in before the Great War is descending into chaos. You realize, through the information that you have, whether it's through the the information gathered uh, from the United States government and the the minds that work behind the CIA or the FBI looking at the way the world is working or the way things internally are working or whether it's connections to the scientific community or it's just the smartest minds who are planning the the way the future might work or the the way things might fall out the way things might fall out and then when they look into their crystal balls they see Destruction. They see no possibility for getting out of the situation. And they tell you, you're on borrowed time. What do you do? Now, for somebody in that situation, somebody with that much power, would you blame them if they banded together with the other people that they know who happen to have similar power, similar wealth, similar connectedness? it only makes sense. What would you do? Would you stand alone? Or would you band together with other people and try to come up with a solution? So the Enclave, when you think about it, is almost inevitable. Now, what they do with that power is what defines them as a morally good or morally bad organization. And we're going to discuss in this episode the origins of the Enclave. We're not going to get too much into the way some of the games play out. Uh, I don't want to spoil any of that stuff. We can dig into those things later, especially as we get into some of the more nitty gritty there. But I want to talk about the origins of the Enclave. Now, according to the Gamepedia wiki, and I I pull you guys have probably noticed, I pull from a few different wikis as I as I go through these. But uh, on Gamepedia, .gamepedia Fallout.Gamepedia.com, there's a wonderful article about the Enclave. In it explains here, the Enclave is a nation-state that developed from continuity of government of the pre-war federal government of the United States, frequently styling itself as the United States as such. Prior to the war, the founders of the Enclave operated as an informal secret organization of the same name. They comprised members of the U.S. Shadow Government, a military-industrial complex, Relative to other human societies throughout the wasteland, it was among the smallest central station enclave. The single largest concentration of enclave population in the wasteland was home to between 100 and 1,000 inhabitants. By comparison, the largest city in the wasteland built from scratch, Shady Sands, is home to 3,000 citizens alone. Now, The Enclave has come up a few times in uh, the show so far, and it makes sense. They are a formidable, key organization in the happenings of the Fallout universe. And part of the reason why they keep showing up has to do with their ideology. We brought up uh, last week the Brotherhood of Steel and their ideology, and we mentioned uh, how ideologies keep people going, especially in times of difficulty. Now, The Enclave is defined predominantly by their ideology. And that's why I'm going to highlight this first. Before we get into any more of the details, I want to go over the ideology. Now it says here that the Enclave claims to be the direct continuation of the pre-war United States of America. At the time, it does not recognize anyone outside the Enclave as an American citizen. And to the Enclave, that's the end-all be-all, is you're either American citizens or you are not. And if you are not, you have no rights. It goes on to say, even if they were born in a vault to American citizens and would thus hold American citizenship, they're still not considered American citizens. Furthermore, since 2140, the Enclave has adopted the position that its members are the last remaining bastion of humanity on Earth. They see themselves as the only humans left, basically. Ruling out cohabitation with perceived mutants, i.e. anyone outside its ranks, so everybody outside of the enclave is a mutant in their eyes, it has decided to pursue a course of extermination. I'm not going to dig into the other details there about how that happens yet, but that is it. That is the... That is the crux of everything. You are either part of them or you are not. You are on this side of the line or you are on that other side of the line. And if you are on the other side of the line, then you are not even human. Who does that sound like? Any major, what we would consider to be evil power in history has used the idea of dehumanizing the other side, the people other than them, as a way to justify genocide. This has happened throughout U.S. history in um, the way that racial tensions have played out. Um, This has happened in world conflicts. Like, World War II is a wonderful example. Everything goes back to World War II, right? Um, With the Nazis. If you were not part of that Aryan race, you were less than human, and you deserved whatever they gave you. This is very dark. This is where the Enclave sits, sits their core of belief, their ideology, everything that motivates them is either you are with us or you are not even a human. So let's take a look at how this all started. Before the war, the Enclave was a cabal of powerful individuals from across the United States, including presidents, members of the Joint's Chief, prize-winning scientists, Wealthy industrialists and members of the military, influential politicians and other powerful men and women who together formed the eminence Greece. So that basically means shadow government of the United States. Now, remember in the intro when I talked about this, every single one of those individuals, those types of people, presidents, joints, chiefs of staff prize-winning scientists, wealthy industrialists, members of the military, all of these types of individuals are well-connected with other individuals who who have either power or money or some sort of influence over what is potentially going to happen, other than maybe some of the lower-ranking members of the military, but oftentimes those individuals have to follow what their leaders say, and their leaders are the ones who are more powerful and more connected. So it goes on to say, in the opinion of its own members, it was the greatest assembly of mines on American soil. As the Sino-American War dragged, if you recall, this was the war between the United States and China. As, as it dragged on and the risk of war increased. Now, uh, that means a greater war beyond just the conflict between the United States and China. Members of the enclave invested into various contingency measures to survive the coming war. Basically, they saw it coming and they made plans to deal with whatever was going to happen to them, and you can't fault them for that. That's Any of us would have done that. In in that position, with that much power and that much foresight, any of us would have done that. Now, it goes on to say, funded by corporate and government money, these installations would enable the Enclave to continue waging war, even after the United States ceased to exist. The most prominent of these was the presidential oil rig out in the Pacific Ocean, backed by Poseidon oil and the White Springs Congressional Bunker, acting as a hub for future enclave operations. This is where it ties into Fallout 76. Covertly funded by funds embezzled from the Department of Agriculture by its secretary, Thomas Eckert. If you've played far enough into Fallout 76, you're going to see... All sorts of really interesting information, uh, diary posts and hollow logs and all sorts of stuff that tie this together. So be aware of the name Eckert, Thomas Eckert, and keep your eyes peeled. Other facilities prepared in advance were Raven Rock and the Kovac Muldoon Platform. So Kovac Muldoon Platform was a uh, synchronous orbit satellite above West Virginia. The ambitious nature of many of these installations limited their lifespan in some cases. The Kovac-Muldoon's reactors failed within 50 years of launching, for example. Some members relocated to these locations in advance in March of 2077, so that's months before October when the Great War happens, With the world heading directly for nuclear confrontation, the President of the United States and the other members of the enclave retreated to various fortified areas around the globe. Others remained behind, only retreating to fortified shelters as the nuclear war became imminent. The bulk of them sought shelter at the aforementioned White Springs bunker. However, casualties sustained in the nuclear attack decimated the leadership, allowing Thomas Eckert, the Secretary of Agriculture to claim leadership. Now, that's pretty far down the chain from the uh, American president, but it looks like he was the, the guy in line. However, the plans were almost immediately thrown into disarray as communications between Enclave hubs crumbled. The White Spring bunker was primarily affected. As for one reason or another, it dropped off the Enclave grid completely. So, you know, The world gets blown to smithereens and everybody's spread out and then they lose communication with each other i guess that can make sense you know things kind of fall apart now one one thing of note in here is that they retreated to various fortified areas around the globe the poseidon oil rig was off in the ocean um white springs was in the middle of west virginia but what other locations around the globe did the Enclave go to? That's a seed for future stories. What if we had a fallout China and there were some Enclave over there because they happened to be part of the government, the US government doing some sort of foreign relations or spying or something like that? I can imagine all sorts of interesting storylines around that side of what was going on and showing us what happened to the Chinese people. That would be really interesting. Now, in previous episodes, we've already mentioned that the Enclave was connected to vault Tech and was involved with the creation of the Vaults. We talked about that that connection. Um, And there's a lot more in these wikis about what happens with the Enclave and uh, their conflict with the Brotherhood of Steel, which many of us have played through that directly. Um, Also, there's discussion here about uh, Modus, who I recommend Getting to know in Fallout 76 before uh, I spoil any of that stuff for you. Modus is super creepy. I highly recommend you go in there and, you know, uh, talk to it a bit and see what's going on. Now, let's talk about the military The military arm of the Enclave also uses the pre-war U.S. system to a certain degree. The President is the Commander-in-Chief, while actual command of the military is handled by the Enclave High Command. The Enclave military collectively forms the Department of the Army, which has at least two other departments, Research and Development and Peacekeeping and Recovery, charged with staffing constituency enforcement points whenever they are set up in the wasteland. The Enclave has also recreated several pre war formations. The Secret Service was reformed, tasked with protecting the government, most notably the President, though their activities will occasionally include being deployed on delicate missions to the mainland. The United States Chemical Corps returned as well. Its duties include the development of the FEV 2, the Force Evolution Virus number two, which happens in Fallout 2. Apart from units based on their pre-war analogs, the Enclave has several formations unique to itself. The most well-known are the Verta Assistant Teams, heavily armed squads of Enclave power armor troops, widely known for their tendency to go in shooting without asking questions. They let someone else sift through the ashes to figure out what was going on. Other units include the Enclave Control Company, responsible for parameter defense, and the Enclave Squad Sigma, used for securing high-priority targets. Another specialized formation are Fauna Details, tasked with handling animals used by the Enclave in their operations and experiments. Fauna Detail Charlie is one such example. They're the ones who handle the Death Claws. So in general, they are mobilized, they are, Deadly, they shoot and ask questions later. You don't want to trifle with them unless you know what you're doing. So let's explore some of the technology that the Enclave uses. Here it says Access to the most intimate secrets of the United States government and its military, the Enclave managed to preserve a large variety of advanced and prototype technologies for future use within its bunkers. The most important of these were schematics for the experimental X-01 power armor and advanced models still in early testing phases. If you guys have played any of these games, you've probably noticed the X-01. It is badass. It looks freaking awesome. Uh, and then it goes on and says, and the vertebrate family of tilt rotor aircraft, both the VB-01 and the XVBO 2 versions. Combined with the automated production facilities established at their bases, the Enclave was capable of outfitting its soldiers with weapons far above anything the Wasteland could muster, including standardized Mark II power armors derived from the X01, introduced in 2220. Widespread plasma and laser weapons, most notably the Urban Plasma Rifle, developed shortly before the war by Repcon Aerospace, and of course, the Vertibirds, some theorize that the Enclave's technological level is a result of them using captured alien technology. Uh, you guys remember the alien connection here, maybe? But these rumors remain unconfirmed. The most exotic designs used by the Enclave, the Urban Plasma Rifle, was actually created by Repcon Aerospace. Maybe Repcon was the ones who were connected to the alien forces, what do you guys think? Enclave laboratories also possessed cutting-edge equipment ahead of anything wastelanders could muster. Apart from infrared spectrometers, chemical synthesis equipment, and other advanced tools, the Enclave also possessed the necessary equipment and knowledge for conducting genetic analysis, engineering, and large-scale virus synthesizing. Their scientific expertise was matched by their industrial capacity. The Enclave had the ability to mass-produce next-generation power armor, high-tech weapons, vertibirds, robots, and more. It was also one of the few organizations to use high-speed data networks. In the Enclave's case, the pre-war Poseidonet, created by Poseidon Energy. However. Despite manpower and hardware, the Enclave overwhelmingly relied on tweaking and tuning existing technologies, rather than creating new ones. The advanced power armor and the vertibirds were both derived from pre-war designs. Weapons issued to troops date back to the pre-war times, and even the Enclave's most fearsome weapon, the Fev Curling 13, was fundamentally a modification of the pre-war forced evolutionary virus. The only major new developments were undertaken by the isolated Appalachian branch, Fallout 76, which experimented with direct human mutation. The resulting mutation serums proved controversial in no small part due to their reliance on human tissue grown in laboratory conditions. Despite ethical reservations, the mutation serums were used by Enclave operatives and contributed to the brutality of the Civil War that extinguished the branch. Now, there is one group who can give the Enclave a run for its money when it comes to technology, and that is the Institute. Those of you who have played through Fallout 4 know how advanced some of the Institute technology is. So, I don't know which would... You know, if you compare the two, the Enclave and the Institute, and you look at the... uh, Power armor, the military side of it, but then you also look at the uh, the programming of the robots that became synths with the Institute and some of their weaponry and that kind of stuff, which we'll have to go into in a future episode. I wonder, I mean, which one do you think would win? Who's got who's got the most going on there? Write write me and let me know. Um, send me a uh, private message in Twitter at Fallout Lorecast or on. Uh, in Gmail, falloutlorecast at gmail.com, if you have some thoughts on that. And the question I want to leave you guys with has to do with the ideology behind the Enclave. Imagine you are the last pure humans on the planet and you are scared out of your mind about what's out there in the wasteland. About What the FEV has done to the populace at large, the mutants and the mutations, and where humanity is going. Does that justify genocide? What if you thought the people of the wasteland were no longer people? Is that any different than the people of the wasteland fighting with ghouls or super mutants? What if you put them all in the same basket? What do you think?
0: If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them.
1: Hello, Vault Dwellers. Welcome back to the Fallout Lorecast. Again, I am your host, Tom, or Robots. You can call me either. Uh, Welcome to the show. I know I've been doing this little welcome thing after the initial talking. I hope that's cool with you. Uh, It's cool with me. (laughs) Um, I want to thank you guys for listening again. Now, I did get some write in, some very short write in responses to some of the last few episodes. But I'm just going to chalk this up to my own incompetence. I think they were messages on Twitter that were like not direct messages. They were just at mentions. Um, And I have get so many of those. I've tried looking back through them. So if you sent me something really cool this week and I didn't pull it out immediately because I looked it on my phone, I thought, oh, that's cool. And I responded. And then I didn't like copy and paste it into another file or m- mark a way to find it. I apologize for not bringing it up on this episode. Um, I definitely want to highlight questions and, and ideas that you, those of you send to me. So please uh, put them in a direct message if possible or uh, send them to me in an email at um, Fallout Lorecast at gmail.com both of those are much better ways for me to go back and track what comes in so i apologize for that no no new uh messages from you guys this week about some of your thoughts on the previous episodes but i am dying to hear some more of your thoughts about the brotherhood of steel about uh vault tech and some of the things they're doing heck even about some of the mini episodes the mini sodes if you want to write in about those i'd love to hear your thoughts cultural database accessed Quoting New England poet Robert Frost, freedom lies in being bold. Why don't we ask the newcomer? You support the news? So let's discuss what's going on in Fallout 76 and around the web and in my, my gaming life. Well, Fallout 76 had another patch, and I'm sure you guys are plugged into this already. I'm a little bit late into it with an episode this week about things that happened last week. Uh, But basically, basically, they nerfed a bunch of stuff. People got upset. They also improved certain things and they rolled back some of the changes that they accidentally didn't mean to roll back in a patch. So that happens. I'm sure that is tied to a uh, lower um, uh, on the business end. Whenever you're doing software development and you have multiple people working on something, sometimes people will make updates to one version of something, not knowing that somebody updated another version of something. So that just has to go to, uh, there's a word for it, uh, but making sure that those changes actually go through and they double check everything before they release it to the public. I think there's so much, um, and in the experiences that I've, I've been in working in software development type situations, there's so much impetus to get things out to help make people happy and answer and solve some of the problems that sometimes certain things get overlooked so quality control can sometimes get sacrificed for that so i'm pretty sure that's exactly what happened Uh, but you guys don't want to hear about the back end stuff of that you just want to play your game and it for it to work right and you know they're they're continuing to work on it so Um, I still have high hopes. I think this is one of those things that you stay in it for the long haul. Um, And even if it's one of those things where you kind of fall off of because you feel like you've done everything at some point, I'm sure there's going to be times that you're going to jump back in and you're going to try the new content or you're going to try the new updated changes. Um, There's so many other good examples of this in the gaming world. You've got uh, even games like No Man's Sky, which the launch version of the game looks very different than the game it is now, or even something like the division, the division two is coming out and everyone's hyped about the division two because of all the time they spent improving the division one and all the updates they've made there. So it is not uncommon in the software world for this to be the way things work now. And I think that we're in the middle of this uh, flux. And this is something that I talk with my coworkers about uh, at work, this idea that, To think of any piece of software as a finished product is no longer accurate. It's not like getting a pair of shoes. You buy the shoes at the store. You bring them home. The shoes are the same shoes today as they are tomorrow, as they are a year from now. And if you wore them a lot, they're going to wear down. But if you don't wear them a lot and you pull them back out of the closet, chances are they're going to be the same shoes a year from now that they are when you bought them. Uh, Software no longer works like that. There are so many moving parts that it just... Software is a living, breathing thing. It's something that gets regularly updated, whether it's a website or a video game. Um, And the thing that you bought today is never going to be the same thing a year from now. It just isn't. And to have that expectation that some stuff will stay the same or some stuff won't change is, I mean, frustrating maybe, but naive at the same time. And I don't want to call anyone out. I don't want to say, hey you guys, you guys are idiots because you're not thinking about this, right. But more, I just want to say, this is a mental shift. This is going to be the kind of thing that people in our generation who are playing these games are having to get used to, but it's going to be the kind of thing that, uh, today's children will only know. They will only know this version of software where it just keeps getting updated and changed over time. And I have a feeling that expectations will shift. Um, so there's, that's my little my little rant about how how the state of this is going. I'm not going to go into patch notes or details. There's plenty of other sources that can do that a lot better than I can. And I'm sure you guys might listen to them also. Um, so in my gaming, I have jumped back into Fallout 76. I've been playing, played a little bit more Derek looking for his mountain mama. Um, having a good time with Derek still. Uh, especially when I run into strangers and, and talk with them, as I've noted before. Um, last night I jumped back into my main character... And finally was able to kill a Wendigo wearing a clown outfit and it worked and it counted. And that was great because I've had that quest. I've had that stinking quest for tens of hours at this point for the majority of my time in the game. Um, I'm also at at the near end game. I'm at the point where I have to launch a nuke. And I hope that's not spoilers to anybody. But guess what? You launch nukes. Um, (laughs) That's coming up. And I'm kind of delaying it. I've been delaying it and trying to do other things before doing that. But I also feel like I probably need a little bit of help getting that done. So if anybody wants to group up with me, I'm robots on PC. Um, Feel free to shoot me a friend request or just, you know, at me on Twitter and say, hey, you playing tonight. You want to get together and drop a nuke? That'd be that'd be really cool. I'd love to get together with some of you guys and do that Um, in other news. Uh, The streaming situation is going really well. We had a bunch of people uh, in the channel last night uh, playing along and just kind of hanging out. Um, I've also become an affiliate on Twitch, which is super cool. I've hit the affiliate status, uh, which gives me the ability to create emotes and have subs. And I'm doing a thing right now. First, I created a first the first emote for our subs that you get when you sub is the little thumbs up from the little vault guy. So if you want thumbs up on Twitch, then you know where to get them. Um, but that's what we do whenever anybody follows or subs, we everybody drops them a bunch of one ups. And last night uh, we had two new subs, um, and I'm going to call you guys out on the show. I hope you're okay with that, Brian. Rather, Ruther, Ruther, Ruther? I always forget how to pronounce your back, your last name, Brian. And the ancient gamer tag, who's at the ancient gamer tag on Twitter and on Twitch. He also has been streaming. His his guys go check out uh tags images that he puts up on Twitter, his screenshots and his little stories about some of the stuff he's doing. It's either absolutely hilarious or just brilliantly beautiful. Uh, go check that stuff out and hang out with him on stream. He'll he knows a lot about Fallout seventy six and um i jumped into his stream earlier last week and he showed me where to find the um chainsaw because i happened to mention that i just hadn't found it yet and he's like oh it's in this one spot why don't you come take a look bread and bed and breakfast showed me where to find it and and all sorts of stuff so highly recommend you, you jump in there say hi to those two guys and thank you again to both of you for subscribing to my channel um and oh this is the other news on the channel i used to have animated gifs that would show up on screen screen when you use chat commands and fev dweller my good friend FE, the fev dweller has uh, figured out how to enable that again without a custom bot that i used to use and so i've got some animated gifs on screen and so i'm doing this now that i'm a new affiliate i'm doing this thing where if you are one of the first 10 people to subscribe to the channel you get to choose your own custom uh, animated on-screen gif that is commanded by whatever command you wanna use. It could be your name, it could be whatever. So um, for example, tag got to choose his, and if you write uh, exclamation tag team in the chat, you get this little animated GIF of the two, like the little vault guy and the little uh, militia vault guy shooting, hanging out together, like tag team, get it, huh? It was pretty cool. I, I'm I'm all for customizing the stream around the things that you guys are adding in. I think that's gonna be awesome. But that's what's going on in the state of Fallout 76, and in my own gaming right now. And uh, the other thing I want to drop is I've been considering more expanding of this lorecast content. To well, we're doing regular lorecast shows weekly, and we're doing minisodes. I think I might have the bandwidth to take on another series, and start a different lorecast series about maybe the elder scrolls i'll just leave that there hello there old chap good to see another of general atomic's finest still eager to serve
0: let's get the other bit of politeness taken care of shall we what the bloody 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 hell are you doing here you people are crazy
1: all right it's that time again it's the end of the show where i call out People who have left reviews on iTunes, please, please drop those reviews in iTunes. You guys say so many nice things to me. And sometimes I'm like, could you also say that in iTunes? Because that would be really helpful. I love that you say nice things, but it would also be doubly, actually be like 10 times more helpful if you just said them on iTunes too. And um, some of you guys are awesome. And you leave reviews and ratings on there. We are up to 17 five-star ratings. That has jumped a few more numbers since last time. And we have a brand new review from Dragon Silverlight, who says, I love this podcast and I hope you do some more. Well, guess what, Dragon Silverlight? I'm going to do some more. Thank you so much for that review. And I'm going to uh, sign off and let you guys know, hey, I'll probably be doing another mini-sode this week. And at least one, if not two. And guess what, Vault is coming up. We just did 12, so that means 13. And that might sound familiar to those of you who played the first Fallout game. So that'll be the next one in the queue. Otherwise, take it easy, guys, and I will see you later. Thanks for listening to the Fallout Lorecast. All sounds and music are owned by Bethesda Softworks, and no copyright infringement is intended. If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please contact us at falloutlorecast at gmail.com or follow us and post some messages to us on Twitter at Fallout Warcast. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.